Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Money Mentors Podcast. Once again, my name is Nathan Lear and I'm with my co-host, Glenn Fairburn. Today, we bring in our colleague, Chris Morecambe, and we have a discussion around uh, social investing uh, following a, a recent trip that the Hewson Private Wealth Advisors uh, took part in in, in the US. Uh, sustainable investing is gaining in traction with a lot more investor appetite. Uh, today, we are brought to you by Hewson Private Wealth. Um, so once again, please please check out Hewson Private Wealth. Um, and just a, a quick note that this is a general discussion only, so we haven't taken into account your personal circumstances. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, as we spoke about in our most recent um, podcast, we recently attended a, a conference in the United States, which was the Morningstar Investment Conference, um, and we also visited a couple of fund managers, and we spoke about that in um, our last podcast. Um, so what, what we really want to do over the next couple of episodes is really just bring back some of the key themes that, that we took out from the conference and some key findings that we think may be applicable um, to people in Australia. Uh, one of the things that really seems to be growing legs and is quite popular at the moment in the United States is um, sustainable investing, um, otherwise referred to as ethical investing or, or impact investing. Um, and effectively, the way that this um, investment theme works is, is I suppose, in, in three major ways, looking at things in their environmental, social, and also governance. So seeing how companies... Um, are dealing with those issues and, and whether they're operating in a way that, that, that is sustainable. Um, just, just to highlight the growth in this particular segment of the investment market, um, 40% of these funds that have a focus on environmental, social and governance issues have been launched in the last three years um, and there's currently $100 billion or US dollars in assets under management. Um, and Chris, you mentioned that it's also growing at a fairly rapid rate on a monthly basis as well? Yeah, something like uh, it's more than $620 million um, US per month are flowing into these funds. So clearly investors are motivated to be looking at these types of issues. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that although there's, we're probably at the infancy within Australia now, but I wouldn't say there's a lot of opportunities to invest in this space in Australia at the moment, is there? Uh, I think it's um, there, there's some there are people who are... Um, building impact investment funds and uh, and there are a number of people who I'm aware of who have got some pretty interesting opportunities. Um, but at this stage, um, really they're limited, the good quality ones are limited to wholesale investors. Yeah. Um, so they that's people with, you know, in excess of two and a half million dollars uh, investable assets. So clearly uh, that's leaving a lot of the population um, out, out outside of those opportunities. Yeah. Um, and that's where... Um, funds that f- focus on having these environmental, social and governance uh, filters uh, in their investment processes potentially can provide people with um, an opportunity to invest their money in a way that perhaps aligns with their own um, personal beliefs and, and standings. Yeah, and as I, as I said at the, at the beginning, I think it, that was a major theme coming out of, out of the United States with Morningstar in particular who are a major provider of investment research globally they're obviously getting significant demand from their clients um, who are investors whether they're institutional or, or retail clients to to apply these sort of screens across not only the 
managed funds that they um, research, but also the individual companies as well. Yeah, and uh, and they've actually partnered with uh, for the last two years with a business called Sustainalytics uh, in the US, who provide them with the research on uh, and the data on environmental, social and governments issues that they can then feed into their um, models in relation to the research. Um, and and just on that, the, the, the ratings that, are, um, that Morningstar um, are using, they're not a um, definitive answer on how well a company is rated compared to its peer on, on these particular, particular issues. What they're rating is how well they manage the risks and opportunities in relation to those factors. So clearly, a if you're looking at something like a resource company that perhaps is mining um, uh, coal, for example, um, clearly that their business is in the mining of coal. So they're they're going to have to manage. They're going to have a certain set of risks and opportunities to manage, um, particularly as um, their focus on um, carbon and 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 and, uh, and coal as a source of um, energy. Um, becomes a hot topic and so they've, they've got risks and opportunities they're going to have to manage so how well they do it um, is going to then forgive them a rating it does, so it doesn't necessarily say that coal's great or coal's not great yeah and i suppose that, that that's probably where the research is quite in depth because there's, there's a number of different sustainable investment strategies that can get filtered i mean just to give people some examples obviously they look at things that are environmentally focused that have low carbon or fossil fuel free gender and diversity community development, government's focus, shareholder engagement, renewable energy. So there's a number of different factors that get taken into account. I suppose the next, probably the future of, of this sustainable investment strategy is for people to select those areas that probably are more important to them and have the opportunity to filter through investments that, as you were saying, that they feel most comfortable with. Yeah, I also think that um, as investment managers, we probably need to be ahead of the curve in relation to this as well and be um, educated around these issues because I think um, as time goes on, um, we're going to be looking at our our field of investments that we're prepared to put money into and these are going to be natural, natural uh, I suppose, filters that we're going to want to put over them in terms of making sure that those companies are going to be around and competitive in 10 years time yeah and as you were saying before i think there's a there is a, a large demand from from people not just to look at investments that are going to provide the best return but also those that you know that they're most comfortable with um and, and i suppose as we spoke about in our last podcast um, with regards to wcm and culture and so forth just because a, a fund or an investment theme has a has a um i suppose a tilting towards this ESG or sustainable investing doesn't necessarily mean that you're compromising return either, does it? No, I would say not. And in fact, the um, the results that some of the um, managers that I was talking I was talking to at the conference in some of the um, stalls in in the, in the convention area, um, they were they had some pretty pretty impressive uh, long term results. And some of these funds have been in the US have been around for more than forty years. So that's not a there's actually a very deep knowledge and um, experience um, of uh, sustain, sustainable investing in the US. There's no question. Just a, a question I'll, I'll put out there. What, what do you guys think the uh, imp, uh, ESG investing, what, what, why do you think it's in, picked up so much in the last few years? Do you think social media or uh, are people just more conscious of the world we're living in these days or 
I think, there's, think? I think there's a few factors, and um, one of them is, is that um, the baby, baby boomers are, are aging, and so they are now perhaps more conscious about a legacy that they're leaving behind. So that's one factor I think that that's come to the fore. You've got um, two generations behind that, the millennials, who have grown up knowing about um, changing climates, um, being aware of degradation of um, environments, and particularly you know, impact around... Um, planting trees to avoid erosion and things like that. You know, the, the millennial generation have certainly come through this, their schooling know, having been educated about this. So there's no question that there's two fairly significant um, parts of the population that are probably t- turning their focus to these issues and wanting a solution. And, and I think that's where, you know, Sustainalytics and, and Morningstar have probably read, read the tea leaves pretty well. I think also post-global financial crisis where a lot of the issues um, where people got hurt and people lost money was just through poor governance. And governance is a big part of the ESG or sustainable investing part. And I think that, you know, I suppose a perception is that if you can have a good governance, then that can protect your investment capital. So even taking away the more environmentally focused things, governance is extremely important. Yeah, it's interesting though, because I, if you remember... Uh, our visit with um, WCM uh, and they were talking about this very issue um, uh, in relation to Costco. I think it was Costco. Yes, it was. And um, where they were saying how Costco um, actually score very poorly on governance uh, because they've got a couple of directors that have been there for 30-plus years. Mm. Um, just has so happens that one of those is Charlie Munger. And I reckon there wouldn't be too many, you know, there'd be a fair, fair few companies that'd love to have him on their board for 30 years. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, Charlie Munger's the uh, vice president, I think, of uh, Berkshire Hathaway, so right-hand man to uh, to Warren Buffett. And I suppose just, just to, f- to further answer your question, Nathan, about why people are interested, I think that oh, I can't remember a time more than now, in particular with um, the push for greater diversity, whether that's gender or cultural diversity within organisations as well, I think outside of the investment theme, that was another key thing um, that I personally noticed uh, visiting obviously Morningstar and also um, Salesforce. And it's not just diversity for the sake of diversity. Um, I mean, a, a lot of, a few other discussions that, that we were involved in, in in the US through a number of presenters was, was all around really the advantages of diversity just from pure decision-making and, and also innovation. Um, so I think there's a lot more awareness about that um, and there's probably been no other time in history where there's been a, a, a drive to getting more diversity within within boards but also just across um, the broader spe- spectrum of employees within an organisation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think the other, just bring it back to the actual um, the environmental side for us a bit as well, one of the things that, uh, that was spoken about was this whole idea and awareness around carbon and, um, and the impact of... Um, of, of having a low carbon footprint. And uh, I don't know if you recall, but um, they were talking about um, in France, I believe, um, all portfolios are a certain size, and I can't remember the exact number, must show the carbon footprint of their portfolio. And, uh, you know, and that, if France are doing that, then it could be likely that for the EU to follow. Uh, that's a fairly s- significant size of the market. So then you're going to start potentially seeing this flow through to other, other, um, other, Regions um, and that look, there's no question that that the EU are, have been ahead of ahead of the curve on all these matters. You know, they were they've had um, emission controls on on vehicles for, for for decades, so it's not as if it's new 
to that particular region, um, arguably we might be a little bit slow down here in, in Australia. Yeah, and, and just on that, I mean, Morningstar um, spoke about the fact that within their research and, and that they provide to their clients, they also have a portfolio carbon risk score as well. So which basically rates how well a company is aligned to a to, to the low carbon economy. So it's definitely something that they're, I mean, they're obviously doing it for, for their own reasons, but you, you would say that the, the reason that they're applying these filters, whether it's ESG ratings or, or carbon ratings or whatever it may be, is really because there's demand from, from investors. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. I think it's important for investment managers to be able to provide this information to investors because as we've spoken about, it is growing in popularity. And I mean, you think back to some of the, you know, just in Australia, some of the managed funds, um, it's not probably not overly easy to find out what investments are ethical, like depending on your screening process, I suppose, but uh, it's probably not that that easy to actually understand what the, you know, in inverted commas, unethical investments are. So I think it's important that uh, investment managers are, are maybe more willing to provide that information to their investors. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to um, the filters you're talking about. Um, I think we, um, I think the old, old, terms are ethical investing i think the the the, the more appropriate term is uh, esg or environmental social governance um in terms of a focus because it's more measurable mm-hmm. you can measure um a portfolio's uh, environmental score uh, in terms of the sustainalytics and their approach because of the um because of you know it, it, you can look at its carbon footprint or you can look at the degradation to the to the environment or you can look at the way in which they manage their waste and the, the end the end the life cycle of their products so there there are ways to measure the the effectiveness of businesses in in that in that approach the social side of things as Glenn has alluded to in relation to diversity in making sure that um, that businesses are being well run and, in, and inclusive. And of course, then there's the governance side of things, which clearly poorly governed businesses are, are more likely to be, have risk factors attached to them than well-governed businesses. So I think you know, it, it actually makes a lot of sense just in a broad sense um, as, a, uh, as a basic filter that if you've got a company that ticks most of the boxes on, on ESG, it's potentially going to be a pretty good long-term investment anyway. I think that's the key thing. Uh, and I, I suppose it's the maturity of this segment of the investment market because early on there was probably you'd almost accept a little bit of a compromise that the returns may not be as as great with that sort of filter but as you were saying chris i mean i think that whenever you're looking at any investment that good governance um but but also as i was saying from a diversity perspective it's been proven that more diverse organizations have better decision making not not just for the sake of diversity to tick a box but it actually it's actually proven that there's better outcomes from that um, but I suppose from a pure investment perspective, I would really put to, to our listeners to talk to their advisors about it because the, the tools are there that you can, even if you're investing in managed funds or, or shares, I suppose with shares it's pretty clear as to which um, issues that companies may have. But from a managed fund, if you don't know what companies you're investing in, it's very difficult. But there are other tools available where advisors can screen every managed fund and filter out different segments that you, as, a, as, a, as an investor, may not be comfortable with. Um, so, I mean, some of the tools that Morningstar had were pretty impressive as far as, you know, having the ability to filter out funds that are investing in tobacco or, or uranium, whatever it may be, any, any of those issues. Um, so, I'd, I'd encourage people to talk to their advisors if, if it is something that they're interested in pursuing. Would the first stop for the investors to be to 
actually understand what their their filters or screens are. I mean, because you can just say, you, you might call your advisor and say, oh, I want an ESG investment. Um, but, you know, do you want to... Do, do investors need to break that down a little bit deeper? No, oh, look, I think it, it, it's actually um, a bit uh, more than that. I actually think it's um, also um, questions advisors should be asking their clients about um, what their preferences are and what their um, what what their standing on these things are. Because I, sure. I know of I know of clients who this is the last thing of them on their minds, mm-hmm. and 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 they are purely focused on dollar bottom line, and 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 that that's what matters to them. Um, whereas I, I know of other clients who are um, very interested in uh, ensuring their portfolio is not exposed to armaments or um, tobacco or alcohol or um, gambling. And, and they're actually pretty easy to, as you said earlier, Glenn, to filter out with direct investing. It's a bit more difficult with managed investments and even still with listed investment companies. You know, you, you know we can look through and know what majority of their holdings are, but we have no influence over over what, what they're going to do with them. No, and I suppose that that's where that direct investment, as you were saying, Chris, gives you a little bit more control. But when you are investing through managed funds or listed investment companies, it can be a little bit more difficult to filter out the things that perhaps are more important to you as opposed to other things. Um, and that's where these tools are really, really, really important. Um, so look, on, on that note, I mean, I hope that this has really given people a bit of an insight into what is definitely a growing um, theme within the investment world so the ESG or environmental social governance investment theme really looking at um, I suppose going outside of the the uh, the norm with regards to investment selection so not just looking at fundamental research and balance sheets and profitability but also looking at uh, more environmental issues um, diversity issues and also governments governance um, so on that note I hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to speaking to you all again next week Thanks again, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, please, as we always say, check out Hewison Private Wealth at our website, which is www.hewison.com.au. You can also find us via the various social media platforms, so Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Uh, we'd also really appreciate if you leave feedback, um, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. Um, once again, hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we look forward to speaking to you all again next week.